morning, everybody. This is Nicole DiVincentes. Welcome to the Transformation Gold Podcast. It is awesome to have you here this morning. Today is the 20th of August, 2021. And all I can say is, holy shit, what a freaking week it has been. What an incredible amount of shit has been going on in our country since the beginning I was going to say since the beginning of the year, but I mean, you look back even last year, like towards the second half of, of 2020 and then even the beginning of 2020, like it has been real. And I woke up this morning after having talked with uh, some of my friends. I have a great podcast in store for you this morning and I have a few notes jotted down, but this is like all these other podcasts for the most part is going to be straight off the cuff and straight from my heart, mostly directed at my sisters and brothers who are still in healthcare. Um, So I'm putting that out there early on. That's really, you know, who this is going to be targeting today. But I'm confident that if you yourself are at some sort of a transition point, even if you do not come from the healthcare industry, you're going to find massive value in today's podcast. Now, here's what I'm going to put on the table very, very early on. Yes, welcome to my podcast. This is like, (laughs) we jump right into the material because we've got such, so much stuff to cover today. But I'm going to put this this disclaimer down early on, and that is this. (laughs) I myself am a retired registered nurse. I still hold my license. I'm a retired registered nurse um, with over 25 years of experience. And my background... I I retired after becoming a flight nurse, so up in the helicopter. Most of my clinical practice was actually in an emergency room in a major medical center outside of the city of Chicago. So the reason I bring that up is that when it comes to having a real, raw, and honest podcast, you're going to be receiving the information in that capacity as though you are one of my patients in the emergency room or one of the patients that I had, you know, flying with me, you know, on the helicopter, whether it was a trauma patient, it was a medically ill patient of, you know, whatever age or, you know, any, anything in that capacity. Like if you know ER people, we are very we're direct man like (laughs) we call attention to the elephant in the room and we're not always gentle about it because usually I mean let's face it when you're in that situation whether you're working in it or you're one of the unfortunate souls having to go through that because you know you have yourself in a bad way there's some sort of an accident or whatever like time does not work in your favor so we see shit you know we call it exactly how it is and we fix it we're wired differently. I truly believe that there are individuals who are gifted with the, it's kind of screwed up, the the wantingness to work in an environment where there's a lot of shit happening, where there's a wantingness to take care of people who are ridiculously sick, not because we like seeing sick or ill or injured or anything like that but it's because we honest to god like improvement and we also like immediate gratification which you usually get when you're working in emergency capacity however 
we also are <laughs> probably rightfully so perceived as some of the hardest and probably most callous individuals because there's not a lot of time for hand-holding and like all of this little foofy kind of stuff like when there's work to do like we literally swoop in like a freaking <laughs> we're called swoopers I mean we come in we don't talk a whole lot of stuff like this is what's going down this is what we're doing yeah it might hurt a little bit up front but I promise you when you come out the other end you're going to be so much better and <laughs> there's not a lot of stuff that impresses us you know so <laughs> We tend not to get caught up in our emotions. Like, it's a very unique world into itself. But I promise you, like, that is going to be the, the flavor of today's podcast. And the reason being is this, is that this past week, more so than any other time, you know, I still keep in touch with some of my nursing fam. And I... I'm also very acutely aware of a lot of the shit that's going on in healthcare that's coming to the surface. You know, none of this is actually new. It's just all coming to the surface right now, and it's coming to, uh, I think, a more pressurized point than ever before. Um, and I know that there's a lot of people who are in the healthcare profession who went in, as I did, because it was a calling, really had a desire to help people you love health sciences you love the human body and you like to really make a difference and healthcare, and I'm going to speak specifically to nurses right now because I don't know what it's like for other people but for nurses I would say that you you man give every ounce of yourself until there's literally like nothing else to give like I just remember how many times, you know, we look, I look at my coworkers, and this is more, you know, slanted towards the ER. It wasn't the case when I was flying, but definitely in the ER is you, we would say to one another, like, they're sucking the life out of me. Like, there's tired when you work hard, and then there's when people siphon the life out of you. Because let's face it, when you're working in that environment, literally, like, everybody's there because it's usually the worst possible moment of their life. So there's emotional stress of being able to take care of people. You're under, you know, time and, you know, there's like time is of the essence, but there's emotional stress and pressure and drain of being, of taking care of individuals who are in pain, who are crabby, who may not even be the most upstanding citizens in the United States, all of this stuff. And they just, and then there's a lot of people that are just so damn needy all the time. Okay? And, you know, probably rightfully so. If they're that ill or that injured, it's not that you don't have compassion towards them, but it can become like your heart is literally bleeding all the time and there's so many things to try to take care of and staffing is down and morale is down. Like, there's this is a whole entire beast right now. And even though I made the deliberate decision to leave that industry several years ago, one of the reasons why I wanted to do a podcast was because I want you to have some clarity and probably more, a little source of hope and joy, not little, a bigger source of hope and joy that it wasn't that easy for me to make that departure. Let me say that first. And secondly, there's a giant world outside 
of healthcare that you don't have knowledge of unless you actually go out and explore it. Okay, so let's break some of this stuff down. Like, I know that before, let me back this up. Let's back the bus up. All right, let me tell you a little bit about myself, okay? I will tell you that, and there's reason for this, most of my friends and family, this has been what I have heard and what they have told me, okay? And see if, if you can't somehow identify with this. When you're a healthcare individual, I believe that a nurse particularly, you're a very goal-oriented individual, okay? And there's people who are super high producers and high performers, and then there's people who are just kind of like mediocre, and then the people who are just not going to make it, usually don't even make it through nursing school, but if they do, they end up on your unit and they just cannot handle the shit and you you have to get rid of them. So either way, that, that leaves us all with like what we call A and B players. A players, like your super producers, like you run circles around everybody else. You're usually like the charge nurses. You're the one who's on all the committees for quality improvement, disaster preparedness, like all that stuff. And then there's the other people who may never really be in charge, but they can actually, like, they do solid work. They're B players. And when you surround the B players with A players, B players actually raise their game. They start to produce and perform at higher levels. Yet, when that incentive or the direction from the A players goes away, they don't necessarily lead themselves very strong. You see what I'm saying? So there's that. But it can be very off-putting to some people when you are a very high producer like people just kind of expect that from you and that was the case with me when I left nursing people were just like yeah well that's just Nicole Nicole can leave nursing and she can go on to do all these other things that's just because well that's just Nicole as if I'm an exception to a rule and that's really not that's not my operating mo and that's definitely not the simplicity of the transition that i experienced in leaving my nursing career okay i want to go on the record saying that i really never had an intention on developing a career i went on a pathway that now looking back i'm confident I was following a calling, but really in my heart of hearts, I had no desire to be like a big professional woman. I really wanted to have a family, but not being married and being single, you still have to pay the bills. And so I followed the things that I love to do. I love the human body. I love studying about it in sickness and health. I love learning how to make it better. I learned, I love, you know, blending that with, you know, human behavior and habits and culture like all of that stuff and I love seeing people well and healthy and happy and continuously improving there got to be a point many years before I left where I did some very strong introspective work okay this is leading up to the departure and really why it was not that easy of a transition for me even though I know and will tell you I'm a very high achiever and high level producer in everything that I commit myself to doing. That is literally who I am. That's the person I choose to be. And that's going to be the path of progression from now until the day that I die. Like that's, that's how it's going to be. But as I was really taking, and I don't even know what prompted this, 
Um, other than the fact one day I remember I was driving to work and this is going to lead into what was factoring into my transitioning away from healthcare as we know it as a registered nurse you know in the in like the defined sense of like bedside practice is one day I was driving to work and I kid you not the hospital that I worked at you know, there was the hospital and then there was an outer drive and no one was allowed to smoke on hospital property. But if you cross the outer drive, you were technically on somebody else's property. And so that's where you could smoke. So one day I'm driving to work and, you know, everybody wears scrubs. And at this particular hospital, every different discipline wore different color scrubs. So you would know who everybody was. And so respiratory therapist wore a certain color scrub. And as I was driving in, I was going to be working the PM shift. There were a bunch of respiratory therapists, you know, on that side of the lawn that was on somebody else's property right across the street from the hospital, right across the outer drive from the hospital, who were smoking. And being an ER person, like, I think we have a very interesting sense of humor. And I, I remember laughing out loud, like, oh, my God, the respiratory therapists are smoking. Like, what the hell? And so I, I, I really, I remember laughing out loud. I remember it was a sunny day. I remember it was a day in the summertime. And I laughed. But then as I parked my car... I don't know what happened after that. I, something was like tapping away at my subconscious mind. And I had always been, from a health standpoint, an athlete, you know, from the time I was very young, played sports and all those things, but I wasn't necessarily healthy. You know, I was one of those women, um, girls, even very self-conscious of my body. You know, I had always carried a lot of muscle on my frame which I didn't realize at the time. I always thought it was straight fat, but it wasn't. So I had fat on top of muscle and I was a big girl then consequently and was always trying to do things to lose weight and you know look good in a bathing suit. Like all those things that you know young girls and even women and men actually do this too to try to look better and all this stuff, but I wasn't healthy. Like I did the starvation diets. I did, you know, like the liquid slim fast was a thing when I was growing up. I don't even know if they still make it, but I, you know, did that when I was in high school. I, you know, I snuck my mom's slim fast and, you know, was losing weight and all this shit. It was horrible. And there, I don't know. I think it was seeing them at that time. And I had started working out, um, at a gym when I was working in the ER, one thing led to another. And eventually I just decided, you know what, I really want to start getting better about my health. And then it was like an anvil on the head moment where I somehow realized that my title was a healthcare provider. And I thought to myself, okay, I operate in the emergency capacity after people screw shit up. Oh, and the other thing on this podcast, too, is that there's going to be some swear words. Only because this is what I know. I've coached a lot of individuals, especially, you know, individuals who really are class acts. They're very heart-led and very involved in their profession. But sometimes, like, you just have to keep shit real, okay? And I, I say this, like, I don't like to go around swearing and really work to move swear words 
every day, but I know what has to happen in order to be able to get my message across to some of my individuals who are very strong-willed and driven. And Carrie, if you're listening to this podcast right now, (laughs) my dear friend Carrie, girl, how much I love you. I will never forget the time where we went out for coffee that one time and it was the flight program that you were still with that was not moving in a positive direction and it was you and one other nurse who was basically staffing the whole entire program. Do you remember this? And I remember looking at you and just telling you, you have to get the fuck out. And I will never forget uh, forever the look on your face between like, oh my God, I can't believe that she just said that. But at the same time, I know that it got through to you. And really like how fast everything changed after like we called attention to the elephant in the room. So you are always one of my driving sources of inspiration. And really, for those of you who don't know Carrie, you're really like an older sister older sister to me in many ways and you just are really one of my role models but you're also one of the people who has taught me how to be able to communicate on a higher level but also keep it very real in order to get people to make those powerful choices so if you're listening today girl I thank you for everything that you continuously give me and thank you for the opportunity to coach you and thank you just for being my So, all right, that's Carrie. You guys, I promise we're going to get to know this girl at a future time. Oh, yes, Carrie, you can sit there and giggle, whatever. Like, God has plans for you, and that's all I'm going to say. Because he doesn't hide behind trees and couches. Remember, that's what Mom said. All right, so back to the story here. You are going to be hearing a few um, harsh words on this podcast, but that's just to kind of, like, keep it real. Okay? So, I started doing this introspective work about really what does it mean to be a healthcare provider? and realized the fact that while I was operating in an emergency capacity with people who had screwed shit up, right? They ignored their diabetes, they ignored their high blood pressure. You know, part of this is, you know, I worked in an area that was very socioeconomically dampened. You know, there's a lot of culture, you know, behavior that influences this. Like there's all that stuff, okay? All these things, but at the end of the day, people come to the emergency room at like the worst possible moment, excuse me, after they have a stroke or after their CHF is like beyond maintainable at home, you know, or if this is traumatic injury or, or whatever. But I started looking at this and you have what's called frequent flyers. It's the same people who come back and forth to your emergency room all the time and they never get better or the drug addicts, like how many times can you give them Narcan to wake them up and they keep on overdosing? Like the heroin highway passed right through the town where we worked and there was like, you know, all these different crack houses and stuff in the town where we worked. And so you just like, you become kind of numb to it. And I remember really being frustrated with this and there was a fireman who worked in the town where you know our hospital was based and he said Nicole remember stupid people mean job security so I thought okay I'm just gonna ride this bus but there was still this nagging piece of me where I was like these people are never getting any better like they're not taking any initiative and I was annoyed with this 
But by the same token, I also looked at myself and then looked at, you know, the respiratory therapists who were smoking. I looked at the doctors who were overweight and I thought, how in the hell can we talk about health when really none of us are doing anything to promote our own health? So it became like this point line of integrity, like does your walk match your talk? And so I started on this journey of just, I call it my own personal improvement plan, was really becoming more in alignment with what I view a healthcare provider to be. And a lot of that comes into like prevention, okay? So that's proper nutrition. Not just having an, an okay body weight or, you know, do you fit inside the constructs of, you know, the generic template of, of, of a BMI, anything like that, but what, like, true health, like, from a movement standpoint, flexibility, like, not just lab tests, like, are you truly healthy, not are you a skinny fat, like, all this stuff, are you strong, like, all of the things about health and vibrancy, and started to embody that, and as I did that, I started seeing fractures like all over the place and it didn't sit right with me. So those were some of the things early on that were contributing towards my transitioning out of that role was because I saw so many fractures just in what it meant to be a health care provider. Okay, so there was that. So once you start going on that track, which is really one of growth and development, okay you start seeing a lot of cracks in integrity in different areas and i think you know just as a natural inclination of making things better and it, it probably it largely is you know this is nursing process like we see a problem and we fix it and then we go back and reevaluate it and if it's not you know better then we you know do something else like it, it's the continual nursing process of do you know see something do an intervention go back reevaluate like I hate to say it but it's care planning like in real life <laughs> whatever I that's all I'm gonna say care planning okay just that's it <laughs> anyway there were other things that led towards my transition away from the industry um, Fast forward several years after I had left the bedside, I actually, I was flying and then took a job as an educator. For some reason, I thought that, and a lot of this was just done in blind, I thought that I was going to need public speaking skills. I didn't know why. I mean, I swear to you, a lot of this was just like following my intuition. And it was just like, I, I need to develop some public speaking skills. And I was already teaching, you know, at a very small level, but I decided to take this on full format and then had an opportunity to expand my public speaking skills, you know, and was speaking on a local, state, and actually national level, believe it or not, in the fire service. Um, and then also for it, it, for a small period of time for the neurological industry, for neurosurgical and um, interventional neuroradiology um, conferences and things like that, stroke conferences. So I loved it. I mean, I absolutely freaking love public speaking. I know that it's like people fear it. It's one of people's biggest fears, but I absolutely freaking love it. 
And once you get very comfortable with the information that you're talking about, um, you can really start to have fun with your audience. And I, I'm going to get to a point here. I will never forget when I was asked to speak at a trauma conference. This was after you know I had left the bedside, but the audience was, I think there was 400 people in there. And it was filled with people that I knew from when I was a brand new nurse, when I worked in the emergency room, when I had gone and done teachings, you know, at different places around what we call our, our trauma region and outside of our trauma region. And it was really fun. Um, and I remember getting people, there was 400 people, and I got them to stand up and actually do yoga in you know, what was this trauma conference? And it was so fun. And it was really a test to see like, how can I take my skills of building trust and rapport, okay, as we do as bedside nurses. And I don't care what anybody says, there are few people who have the ability to build trust and rapport as quickly, as efficiently, and as strongly as a freaking bedside nurse. I don't care what anybody says, that is one of your biggest assets. So whether you're talking to one person, you're talking to a family, you're a charge nurse, wherever you are on this, or you're in public speaking, the cool thing is that your ability to build that trust and rapport can actually take an entire room of people and shrink it down to the size where each person in that space literally feels as comfortable with you in that moment as they feel in their own flipping living room. Like there is, I mean, there is, I'm gonna use the word power and there's power in that, okay? Those are gifts, okay? Those are skills. And I'm, I'm dropping that intentionally right here because there's one thing that I wanna remind you about is that God has given you gifts and talents, okay? And when I talk about this, I get a little bit shaky voice because I remember what it was like moving through this transition of fear and not knowing what I was going to do next when things went awry. Okay, God gives you hopes and he gives you dreams. I believe that he places them in your heart for a reason and he equips you with the gifts and the talents to bring those things to life. But I also believe that there's periods for your mission field that many times you are in or periods for your training ground that are amidst your mission field that everything in every place that you go it's actually like everything is your training ground and sometimes your training period is over and it is time to pick up and you move to a brand new place but you don't leave the skills or the experience behind you actually take them with you and you use them in your arsenal to do the next thing okay and that's part of the growth and development continuum which is what we're all about as nurses okay so this is what we call vantage point coaching like I know there's a lot of you right now who are you know you're in that area where shit has been bad in healthcare for a very long time. If you just look at how a healthcare provider gets treated, I mean, think of maybe some of you have not had this experience, but I know working in ER, it's a pretty violent place, depending on where you're at. I mean, think about how many times you or your peers have been threatened, have been punched, kicked, spit on, scratched, bit, thrown into a wall, had your teeth knocked out, intentionally needle stuck 
you know, bled on, pissed on, shit on. You've got freaking maggots dripping out of people's freaking leg wounds and all kinds of shit. You, like, and it's been okay. Like, no one really did anything because they were afraid of coming across as politically incorrect for the behavior that you are working in and around. Like, just let that sink in. Like, I remember that. It wasn't, you know, this has been going on for a long time. And then, of course, 2020, you know, all the... I don't even want to... It's so freaking exhausting to me to freaking talk about fucking COVID anymore. Like, all of the shit that came in with that, where you were the hero and everybody was clapping at 7 o'clock at night around the world and... But inside the hospital, like, I know what went down. I know that you didn't have proper PPE and you were treated like shit and there was all this stuff, okay? And you saw people dying by themselves and there was all that stuff. Like, I'm well aware of the shit, okay? I'm also well aware of the shit that if you were to really take a step back and really draw back on the sound teaching that you had as to the nursing process, the proper scientific process of research and development, what you know about pathophysiology, uh, what you know about the genesis of disease, transmission, bioterrorism, like when you start putting all those things together and you are looking at it from what we call a higher vantage point, okay, you start to see that it is, a lot of it is just it's freaking like a cycle of abuse. Like, I'm just going to put that out there. I started realizing very early on in the game, this had to do with staffing many years ago. Um, and again, I, this may not be every organization, but there's a lot of trends that are happening in healthcare that have gone on over more than a decade now that, I mean, come on. Like, when you look, go back and read your text, the one page that you have in any textbook about the cycle of abuse. And if you honestly look at nursing that lens, you're going to see things in a completely different light as to how everything goes on. Like in the moment, like people will seduce you and they're all up in their feels about how you take care of them and this, that, and the other. But then just like anything else, like they drop you. They forget that you're there. When you're looking through the lens of a CFO, you're viewed as a liability because you are not a revenue producing agent. And so when you, when that happens, what do they always do? They cut back on staffing, you know, and then you're left with the medical legal aspect of it. Like, oh my God, my nursing license is in jeopardy because the nurse patient ratio, like, you know, what I know these swirls of emotions and thoughts that go on because they're not new. I think they're exacerbated now. They're coming to a very public head right now where people are seeing really how shitty everyone has been treated for so long. But what I'm here to, to bring to you is that that doesn't have to be your end fate. But I also want you to know that my leaving that industry was not done like, oh, yay, well, F you all. And, you know, now I'm on to like some big women's empowerment thing. I promise me, I promise you that was not how it happened at all. I remember what it was like. I remember what it was like when I complained for a year. Every time I talked to anybody, my family, my boyfriend at the time, all I did was fucking complain because I was so fucking miserable. But I didn't know what the next thing 
I didn't know what else there was besides. Like, what else would I do with myself besides this? I don't even know. I literally have invested like every electron in my body, every ribosome of my body, like every strand of DNA in my body has been devoted towards this profession. Financially, you know, effort-wise, time-wise, all of this stuff. If I don't do this, like I really like what I do, well, what the F else am I going to do? Like, I just don't what and it was I we talk about being stuck and your mind like you're laying there in bed and you're so exhausted and your mind is spinning because you don't know what else it is that you're going to be doing like I remember what that transition was like and it sucked okay and then you move into anger and then you move into a different department or a different area and it's the same shit over and over and over and over again. And what I did during that time actually was I started studying, uh, I don't, I don't want to say business. I started listening to different, um, they weren't called podcasts at the time, whatever they were called at the time, different recordings of how business owners thought. And because I thought to myself, like, <laughs> I... I don't, I think I'm going to have to build something because even when I'm looking at different places to work, it seems like it's the same shit. And I have all this time, effort and energy invested, you know, in this, you know, I built a pedestal for myself. Like this is a tower of power. I'm not willing to give everything up. I'm probably going to have to build something new, but I needed to learn how to think more like a business owner or a CEO than anything else and needed to understand structuring and all that stuff. So I started listening to this and reading books um, written by, you know, some of the, the top CEOs or, you know, top industry leaders and how they thought. And when I started using that approach and looking at nursing through the lens of a like a CFO, I was like, okay, I can see why from a numbers standpoint, which did not resonate with my heart and you know the value of nursing, period. <laughs> the value of nursing. Like people come to the hospital maybe for surgical procedures, um, for diagnosis, but they're really there for nursing care, right? Like th there's a distinction there, but the difference is that when you're looking at things through a business model, you know, I feel like when you're having the same conversations all the time with administration or whomever, like this is what's going on with the board of directors. Like they really don't care about people's feelings. Like they're there to, to make sure that a business is growing and thriving. Like that's what it is. So you have to speak their language if you're going to get through to them. And what I became very clear was that, okay, well, nurses are actually not revenue generating for the most part. When you look at it, you actually drain the revenue because of how much money has to go in to maintain you as an employee or for anything, whether it's for your hourly, your salary, your 401k, your your malpractice insurance, like all that, like you can see why every time they come to do restructuring, they look to eliminate those, those positions because it costs a lot of money to hire you and to keep you. Okay. Whereas a physician, sure, they do have to put those costs out for them, but who has the authority or the power to actually bill? 
and I know there's areas of nursing if you're doing home health and stuff like that and, and NPs advanced practice you have that capacity but not everybody does okay so this podcast is for everybody that when you're looking at it through that lens it's fine to be in your purpose and to be heart led in your purpose and it's great that you have that fighter spirit and you don't want to see anything die um, and you want to fight the good fight and you want to stay in there and you want to make it better and you're committed to your patients but one of the strongest things you can do is either a follow the ER protocol which is actually triage your position okay this is how this is how I first you know guided myself was triage your position I had to look at my position of not knowing what I was going to do next being very upset at the state of affairs of healthcare at that time not and I I went to school actually uh we're coming up upon the 20 year anniversary of 9-11 so when 9-11 happened I was actually in grad school and realized you know shortly thereafter this was really not the right fit for me and I need to do something like different different so I explored all kinds of possibilities before that I went back to school and man I I even went back to undergrad thinking I should go to medical school like I was in that and no matter where I went it was the same answer just like nope this ain't it this ain't it and so I triaged my position and I looked exactly where I was financially you know how does this pertain to my family you know as it is now my family of the future you know where do I see myself in 5 10 20 years down the road and use like the concepts of triage like an unemotional like this is what it is you know how serious of a situation are you in what do we need to do is this a rip the band-aid off sort of situation is this you know is something bleeding and hemorrhaging out I need to control the hemorrhage on like all of the things that we do as nurses I use that at that critical transition point because it was a mess it was like I was crying all the time. I was sad all the time. I felt like a part of me was dying. I mean, it was miserable. And the reason why I put this podcast on this platform was if you look back, you take this podcast and you'll be able to open up and see like all the podcasts that I've done for the past several years. I did those podcasts for several reasons. I, I am myself, I am a like I am a teacher and a coach on every front and when I do something I will always leave a breadcrumb trail so that you can see where I started I think one of the biggest disservices I can do is just you like hooray here I am you know whatever goal I've attained or whatever quote-unquote level you know I've achieved like if you don't see what it took to get to that point many you might be discouraged many people are discouraged like oh well that's just Nicole or that's you know somebody else like that's them I can't do it that's a bunch of bullshit if you listen to those podcasts a lot of them I did um, this is actually what when I started podcasting I was actually in a terrible financial way my house was in pre foreclosure um, at the very beginning of the podcast I was selling all of my furniture because I had decided by this point I was like you know I had actually left nursing I put up a, a business um, I just it was not a good business model 
something that I wanted to, there's more to this story. It was a baking company and uh, that's free of seven of the top food allergens. I put it on the market. It, I did 10 years of research and development to get all those recipes and everything so that no one would know that it was free of those ingredients. I sought out a, um, what do you call them, a consultant on how to get this available on a global scale. And what I needed to do uh, didn't come from him, but I knew that in order to make this plan completely successful and the business completely thrive to the level that I envisioned it in my head, I was going to have to position myself near the city of Chicago. And I knew that I didn't want to stay in the state of Illinois. So I figured it was going to take me uh, anywhere from 15 to 20 years in order to maximize, you know, that level of business. And I knew that I didn't want to stay in the state. So really in my heart of hearts, when I played that forward like that, I decided, you know what, I'm not willing to invest my whole entire life in a state that does not support my values for the most part, um, you know, as the people who are in charge of government are. Um, I do not want to infuse any of my revenue because they are not wise stewards with my money and decided to shut that business operation down. Like that was, that was my mindset. But either way, getting back to the situation at hand was I remember what it was like going through that mental torture and made podcasts that while I was at my lowest points and really in that terminal swirl, you'll hear me say it on almost every podcast, I didn't know the next thing that I was going to do. And it was that same mental spinning your wheels over and over and over and over and over again, not making any progress. And then when I was doing those podcasts, I was actually commuting from my part-time minimum wage job. And this was before minimum wage is 17 bucks an hour, whatever it is now, like it was 10 bucks an hour. Um, I had moved into a sales role that was not commissioned. It was literally minimum wage um, because at the time the economy was still shit. Um, there actually were no jobs, not because of a shutdown, like there were no jobs and no one would look at me because I was so heavily niched as a nurse. I looked at this and said to myself, like, hey, if I can get cooperation from a gangbanger or from a psych patient, or if I know how to de-escalate somebody who's really pissed off in the emergency room and gain and foster a relationship and gain their cooperation and their trust, to me, that's actually high-level sales. So I viewed myself very much so as an asset and no, like, well, whatever it is I could sell, like, I have those relationship skills that are requisite to be awesome in sales and actually move myself from the pawn who is revenue draining in a business model to what happens if I became revenue producing. Whether this was my own business or I started selling whatever the product or service was for another company. That was how I went in. And I remember 
like how many times I redid my resume. And I'm telling you this not because like, well, this doesn't sound like it was very good, Nicole. You know what? Everything is a process. Like think back to when you were in flipping nursing school studying for freaking pharmacology. Okay. Like it's hard. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you like it's all sunshine and roses and everything is going to be wonderful and beautiful. And you know, God's just going to open up the the gates and no God gives you the gifts and the talents but when it's time to move your operations to something else he expects you like to take action and trust him like that's the whole faith without works is dead thing like that's what he expects you to do but it's very important like I am very very strong in my faith and in my relationship with God and I do my best to operate under his word, his law, his constructs for instruction for my life and not align with what the common culture is doing because hell, I am an ER nurse and I can see when shit is straight up wrong. Okay? And I know that God will move you. He will protect you, especially if you've been operating as a freaking nurse. Like he will always take care of the people who take care of other people. But if you don't listen to the promptings, okay, like tap, tap when he taps you on the shoulder and you don't make a move to do something else, well, what's homeboy got to do? Okay, he's got to do something else to get your attention. And if you're anything like me, you are, you know, maybe not paying attention or you're just saying, you know what, I can actually push through this. I can work harder. I can do it better. I can, you know, somehow put myself out there more and I'm like committing to this when it's really God tapping you on the shoulder saying you know what your time here is finished your mission is finished here I have something else for you over here okay it's a it's an unfinished land it's you know it's bare whatever it is and I expect you to scatter seeds over there and build something over there okay I don't want you over here anymore but if you still are like me and even though mentally I was in that swirl of not knowing what am I going to do next and how am I going to pay the bills and blah, 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 and I feel bad. I don't want to leave my patients behind and all this stuff and we never leave anybody behind. And you go through that stuff, okay? God literally has no choice, okay? If you've, ex- like, I know that you've experienced this. Like, <laughs> if you still don't listen to him, What he's going to do, he is going to like figuratively light that bitch on fire and turn up the heat so fucking hot, you have no choice but to leave. Okay? Like, maybe you have to get to that point. (laughs) And I'm laughing because I did. Okay? I wasn't willing to quote unquote jump ship. Like, I kept on moving, but I wasn't exiting. I was just trying to like, you know prevent the pain of like what the fuck man like I'm gonna start what I'm putting myself back at like college level and I'm gonna have to start over and I'm applying to all these different companies like for sales I'm you know formatting my resume you know here's my awesome you know history as a nurse like I'm a charge nurse I you know did all this shit and then you know they'd answer you back the ones that answer you back and they're like you have no experience in this other thing you know go do something in the healthcare industry. I'm like, you know, if I wanted to do that, why would have I applied to your company, which is a completely different industry, if I wanted to stay in the healthcare industry? Like, 
know. So then when I was doing my resume, this is the insanity of it. Like, I just want you to know this is not like an overnight thing, but I also know where you're at, okay? Then I started making my resume where I didn't put any healthcare, like I didn't put any of my professional history on there. So then when you get to the point of the interview, they would ask you, like, I'm in my 40s already. So literally, like, what have you been doing since college and now? Do you have a family? No. Do you have children? No. Well, what have you been doing? Well, actually, you know, I am a retired registered nurse. Well, why didn't you put that on your resume? Well, because when I did, no one would look at me because I was too hard niched as a nurse. Like, So then I was just like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to put all this shit on my fucking resume. I'm going to pump up this motherfucker. I'm going to step back into my power because you know what? I did this shit. This is who I am. This is my capacity. And you haven't even seen the best part of me yet, but no one would fucking hire me. So what I did was... I was teaching CPR classes, I started cleaning houses, like anything that I could do to keep some kind of money on the table, okay? And then really after (laughs) a while, and shit was, I mean, shit was real for a while. I mean, it was just like, no getting around this. And your, your path does not have to be this way, okay? I went into business for myself and that's a conversation for a whole different day. But really when I was at like one of my lowest points, I thought to myself, you know what? I need to be around pretty things instead of, you know, coming home, nobody's here. I don't want to turn on the lights because I'm going to have an electric bill that I can't afford. I'm sitting in the dark by candlelight. You know, I have no children, no husband, nothing to show for my 20 plus years. I mean, this just fucking blows. So I decided to actually take a seasonal job at a big box retail center whose products I have always loved. You know, they do really pretty things around Christmas time. And I just decided, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. So what happened was they hired me um, for some, what actually happened was when I filled out the application online, they had actually closed their hiring for the season. But what I did was I typed in like the notes field in all capitals, like I could live here, exclamation point, exclamation point. And for some reason, the GM of the store saw this application and when he called me, he said, you know what, we've actually already capped off our hiring for the season, but I knew that I needed to meet you. That was how this actually began. And Eric, if you're listening, like that was totally you. And that was the first glimmer of light that I had that really started making me believe the fact like there was all this darkness leading up to this point but it was the first glimmer of hope and light that I had that somebody saw something in me despite all the stuff on you know my resume and everything about my business and all this shit that turned everybody else off he saw something okay why because he's an expert in sales And he looked straight at this and saw the energy that was coming through on my online application. And he's a very, 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 Eric, you are so awesome at this. You are a very awesome talent scout. And he freaking put together a store of people who are freaking awesome. Like, seriously, awesome people, like awesome characters, awesome work ethic, people who could hustle, people who could fucking sell. Like, he put this together. And so really, it was because of his, you know, my taking that chance of like, 
what really was like I just need to be around a better environment that's going to be pretty instead of this dark home that I'm living in right now let me go towards the light let me follow the light and lo and behold was then they are able to really get into a sales position which is where I fully operate now Okay. Now I know sales gets kind of a bad rap, but I will tell you now having worked for a company where I am in sales and then as myself, as a person who's building, I'm building up my coaching business, I'm in sales all the time. It is a way different position when you are producing revenue for a company. They actually reward you for this. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, they give you things like, I remember like how many things you did as a nurse, no one fucking appreciated you. You could sit there, you could do CPR on a two-year-old, you know, and you're working that resuscitation for the better part of 90 minutes sometimes. And when they decide, you know, okay, we've been going for almost two hours here, we need to call this thing. And you literally take that baby and you place it in the arms of the mom, that dead baby in the arms of the mom. And then you walk next door into your other patient's room and they start bitching at you because you didn't bring in the Tylenol that their kid, you know, who's had this quote unquote fever for the past three days that they did not give Tylenol to or, you know, acetaminophen to before coming in. They rip you a new asshole when you're like, do you know what I've just been doing over here? And then you get called into your boss's office because those people then write some sort of a letter or they call up and they bitch and all this shit you didn't move fast enough and you're like what the motherfucking fuck do you know what I was just doing 10 seconds before I came in here like you're beat down on top of your emotional beat down from taking care of your patients you know and we just kind of like deal with that but when you're in a different position when you are responsible for driving and building revenue which is a great thing that's actually the basis for American economy and prosperity and growth and development of the country I mean let's take our healthcare knowledge and put it over here in businesses to something that's actually positive like it's a different game changer like they will still try to beat you down but you have to remember like look dude you have to make things easier for me so that I can sell Okay, and once you produce, I promise you, as a nurse, you are a freaking closer. Okay, why? Because you get cooperation from some of the worst mugs in the freaking history of the United States. Like, if you can do that, like, you can build teams. If you're a charge nurse, like, whoever you are, you are just not viewing your skill set and your gifts and talents outside of the constructs of what you know as your world, which is healthcare. But I promise you, there is a giant world out there okay and so long as God woke you up and there is breath in your nostril like he's literally not finished with you yet okay so have faith just know like where you are you're watching shit go down and it's bad and it's horrible you always have a choice this is going to be the final point for this particular phase of the podcast and there's probably going to be a lot more to this you know that we can then crack open at, at a future time but here's the powerful piece that I'm going to ask and invite for you to try on and really consider okay and that's the power of choice you always have a choice you can either choose to stay where you are or you can choose to exit stage left now you say Oh, I don't have a choice because if I don't do this job, then I don't make money, then I can't provide for my kids or my family, blah, 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 blah. 
stop, stop the madness. Like literally just stop right now. There's an important distinction. You may not like the consequences of a different choice, but you still have a choice nonetheless. So choose power. This has been Nicole DeVincentis on the Transformation Gold Podcast. I hope that this delivered a little bit of value, a whole lot of freaking value, not a little bit of value, a whole lot of value to get you thinking in a new, inspired, and excited you know, state. Like there is a big world out there. And I remember what it was like to feel so let down and disappointed and frustrated and mad, like all the freaking feels, but triage your fucking position and position yourself to win. Okay. If there's anything that I can do to be of service to you, your team, your agency, or whatnot, I do offer private coaching sessions. It's something that we call the goals program. Okay. We'll be bringing more to you on that. You can contact us directly via our website, which is transformationgold.org. And you'll be able to click right on there. It's called the goals program. Okay. It's an eight week, get your shit together, pull your head out of your ass. Like let's get everything all together here and get you positioned to win in the next phase of your life. Make it a great day. And I look forward to seeing you in the very near future. Bye-bye.